Welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection in this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. We're connected whether we see it or not, whether it's your connection with your dog and your cat or your connection with your God. Also, I talk about things that are more abstract, like your connections with your career or your land, your community, your family, your emotions, your body. Life is truly all about connections. And the sooner we recognize this, the sooner we get to have an easier, more enjoyable life. I'm going to talk about these connections through different lenses, but things like synchronicities and coincidences or everyday little bits of magic or miracles that we tend to dismiss. It's important we pay attention to all of this to help us, like I said, live an easier, more satisfying life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Reverend Karen Cleveland. I'm really excited about today's story and today's guest because it combines so many aspects of the work I do with people, but it all happened completely organically. You know, sometimes when I work with people, they want to know how they can move into more impactful, meaningful work. And I have an exercise we do that's part of that. One thing we do is we look at past jobs. Well, not necessarily jobs, but but tasks that they like doing. You know, if they like working with spreadsheets or talking to the public, answering the phone, working alone, whatever it is that they enjoy about past jobs. And then one other thing we look at is what is their social cause that they're passionate about? So if they set out to save the world, how would they do that? By what method or by what cause would they save the whales or the trees or the bees or women, children, elephants, dogs, cats? You know, what, what is their thing? And then, you know, with, with some other insights and information, we we take those things, put them together, and find a way that they can move forward into working in a way that feels easy to them, meaningful to them, something they enjoy doing. And today's guest, Mary Maida, did this completely organically. She took past work experiences and knowledge, and she took unfortunate experiences that she'd had with her dogs but it led her to create the Canine Cancer Alliance, which has had a huge impact on both people and their dogs and cats and other animals, and has led to a meaningful solution for many people. Now, if you have any dogs or cats or pets that you feel especially close to, I'm pretty sure that if you got a cancer diagnosis with them, you would love to know that you had another six months or one year or six years with them. And this might have been because of the work that Mary has been doing. So Mary's connection with her past and her passion has created something beautiful in the world with with a meaningful impact to very, very many people. Without further delay, here's my conversation with Mary. I'm really excited today to have guest Mary Maida on the show with us. I've worked with Mary in the animal world, and I have personally seen the impact that she's making in the lives of dogs. Unfortunately, Mary lost her own dogs to cancer, but after that, she started reaching out to cancer researchers to, to start help 
find cures for dogs. And through that, she started a nonprofit foundation, the the Canine Cancer Alliance. So today we get to hear Mary's story and what's happened and what the future holds, we hope. So welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you so much, Karen. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Wonderful to have you. I'm very excited to hear this story. So I know that, you know, everything starts somewhere. Um, you had mm -hmm. your two dogs. Why don't you just start telling us what happened with them and we will just go from there. Okay. Thank you. So um, we moved to Seattle area um, about six, seven years ago uh, from Washington, D.C., and we loved it. Um, we just loved the, the natural beauty, and we brought two dogs with us, and they loved it here, too. We took them hiking, and we went to those giant off-leash dog parks, and they used to run around. Our two dogs were very active, but one day I noticed Gus limping. He was about seven years old. He was just limping just slightly, but I got worried, so I took him to the vet. And the veterinarian took x-rays and looked at the images and said, it's probably cancer. And when you hear that word, uh, you get this awful feeling. Yeah. I mean, you, you just go blank. Yeah. And it's this sort of the pain goes through your heart. And you wait to see a specialist to confirm it, that it is cancer. And um, it turned out Gus did have bone cancer called osteosarcoma. Mm. And we found a, a very good oncologist in Kirkland, and he had his leg amputated. He had chemotherapy, which is the standard care for dogs with osteosarcoma. But the second shock was that uh, even with the best treatments available for dogs today, the dogs are not cured, that the chance of cancer coming back is very, very high, mm. uh, especially for osteosarcoma. Oh. So... I tried everything I could. We tried acupuncture, Chinese herbal medicine, just to see positive thinking and prayer and everything to try to see if maybe he could beat this thing. Around Christmas time, we went back to Washington, D.C. because most of our family was still in D.C. So we were celebrating Christmas and our other dog, Hanako, she started show showing signs of illness. She was panting. Uh, she would just hide in the corner by herself. Oh. Um, so... I took her to the vet on a Christmas day and um, they found cancer all over her body. Oh my gosh, and how old was she? Same age? She was two years old, believe it or not. She was only two. Oh. And um, my husband and I got into an argument because the doctor was saying, you know, she could go into shock any minute. So she needs to be put to sleep. Oh. My husband really wanted to take her out for the last, last hike. And we ended up doing that. And which turned out to be a beautiful hike with everybody. And she, she enjoyed it. She was sniffing around, and, but we had to finally say goodbye to her. And after she was gone, the next day, we went for a walk near Potomac River. And we saw this beautiful white swan just drifting down the river. We had been on that walk so many times, hundreds of times, but that was the first time I saw a swan <laughs> in the distance, just going by. And I wow. thought, oh my goodness. Hanuk was scared to say goodbye. Yeah. So, so we lost Hanuko. And then Gus was with us until about a year after his diagnosis and cancer came back, spread to his lungs, and we had to let him go. So I was very bitter and angry at the situation. Why, oh, why couldn't we have done better? And for about a year, I, I couldn't do anything. But I, slowly I started 
getting back into some volunteer work. And I started volunteering for an organization called the Magic Bullet Fund. They raise funds to help families who can't afford cancer treatment for their pets because cancer treatments are becoming more and more expensive. And there are people who can afford it and people who can't. And when it costs five, $10,000 or even $3,000 for surgery, it's just out of reach. So this nonprofit does a wonderful job of raising funds. So just for, you know, an hour or two a week, I would help them process applications and things like that. And it felt good. But at the same time, I I would see these dogs enroll and oftentimes they would have mast cell tumors, osteosarcoma, lymphoma, and they would get the surgery or chemotherapy, but it, it gave them extra time, but it was never a cure and cancer would come back. And it's important to still get chemotherapy because chemotherapy is not like human chemotherapy where you have severe side effects. For animals, chemotherapy is very mild. Uh, they have hardly any side effects. When Gus had it, he just had a little bit of diarrhea for half a day uh, and it went away. And it does give extra time to dogs and cats, but still they couldn't, they're not curing cancer. So, right. so um, I started becoming more interested in looking to see what's happening in the research world to see if there were any promising therapies After we lost Gus, it it was really, really one of the most difficult things to go through, to lose our dogs. But a week or two after we lost him, I had this dream where he was in a dream and he was standing in the water, sort of this beautiful emerald green water. And there were other dogs and um, things that looked like seals just swimming around and the water was warm. And I was actually kind of walking into the water a little, little bit and it was inviting. I felt that Gus is okay. That, yeah. um, he's not suffering. He's, he's in a good place. Yeah. So I felt, I felt good. But also I, I still also felt very guilty after losing them because I thought maybe I could have done more. And Karen, I think that's when I met you when I really wanted assurance that yeah. Hanukkah was okay. So this is where it really is an intersection of your past experience and the experience of your dogs. So talk about a little bit where you went from here. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing was I started making appointments and going to talk to cancer researchers. Uh, One of the most common cancers that dogs get is uh, sarcoma. Sarcoma is really rare for people, but for dogs, it's really common. There are sarcoma experts here. When I first talked to them, they're kind of wondering, what, why am I talking? Why am I visiting them? Why is she talking about dogs? But it turns out they, they own dogs. They just didn't know too much about dog cancer. Right. And after a while, they became very interested, especially since in dogs, cancer progresses so quickly compared to humans that oh. you, you can learn and discover much much sooner. You don't have to wait five to 10 years to see if the treatment is working. You can find out in a year or two. Um, So scientists did become interested and it really helped that they're all animal lovers too. And some of them did actually lose their dogs to cancer. So are supporting several studies at a place like uh, University of Washington uh, and uh, Yale University most of them working on new immunotherapy 
that hasn't been approved for humans, but we hope maybe approved for dogs and cats before wow. humans and really um, increase the lifespan and quality life and, of dogs. Because you know some dogs get cancer when they're two. And if you can cure that cancer, they'll live until 10. And we're not just talking about 15 year old dogs. Right. Young dogs. And that's so you started this nonprofit and you're funding some of these studies then. Is that yes. right? Yep. We are um, supporting them and trying to get the word out about these clinical trials, um, providing financial support to them. There are some very, very promising treatments that are coming. I have to emphasize that they're going to be affordable. <laughs> if it's going to be expensive, no one's going to use it. Right. It has to be affordable. It's safe. And most importantly, effective. You know, it's nice to get extra time, few months, but if we can really get many years, yeah, that that's the goal. And there are some cancer immunotherapy that uh, the scientists that we're working with are developing. That's that looks very very promising. That's fantastic. Yeah. And how do you raise funds for this? How do you support this? And we started doing five k uh, annual five k's at Marymore Park. And also we invite virtual participants. We did the first one in 2018 and uh, we had uh, lots of fresh flowers. People make uh, flower garlands mm. and uh, so that they could wear them and the dogs could wear them. And we go on the walk and run and we have music and a great DJ and really fun, goofy contest. This year we have food trucks coming and um, this year's event is going to be at Marymore Park on May 8th, which is a Mother's Day. Mm. It should be really fun for all the moms and everybody else. It's an annual event. That sounds like a spectacular thing to do. You're, you have this fun event and you're raising money to help lengthen the lives and the quality of life of the human-dog relationship. You know, the dogs, of course, get extra life, but so do the people. They get extra time with their animals, hopefully. Yes, that's right. Through this process, I've met so many dog parents. It's just a very amazing journey and amazing experience. There's one dog here in Seattle named Scout who had the same cancer that Gus had, osteosarcoma. And the cancer was starting to spread into lungs, but Scout managed to get this new cancer vaccine, part of the study that we're supporting, and, and the metastasis disappeared for him. Oh, wow. And there are several other dogs whose metastasis disappeared. It doesn't help every dog, and that's the thing with immunotherapy. It helps some dogs, and they live a really long time, but yeah. some dogs, the immune system is maybe too damaged or weak, and they don't respond. And so the challenge is really trying to figure out how to, how to help more dogs respond to immunotherapy. I think that this is all wonderful. It's such a great, I guess, endeavor that you've started here, and but putting this all together for, for the dogs, and like I said earlier, for the people too. So thank you for doing this from, from the animals of the world. <laughs> and any final words you want to add? Sometimes I talk to people and they don't quite get what we're doing. They're saying, why are you trying to do this? for dogs because dogs, you know, they, their lives are so short anyway. So like, and they're getting old. So why are you just trying to extend it for a few years? And, and I think if you are a dog or cat parent, you understand that even getting extra six months mm -hmm. and of course getting a cure is just means so much. Mm -hmm. And what's really also promising is that some of these studies 
once they show that it, it is helping dogs and it is helping extend their lives, quality lives, then they can turn it into hopefully a veterinary product so everybody could benefit from it, but they could also start human clinical trials mm. and try to help people. Nice. Because if you show that it's working really well with canine patients and dogs with cancer are actually living longer, then it makes it easier for the scientists to start human clinical trials. So, oh, so that's the other good news. So it will help people. Wow, that is good news. I think the animals are worthy. So they oh, are absolutely they are with us such a short time, which makes extra time even more valuable. Mm-hmm. right? You know, you can extend the life 20% or 50% or a hundred percent, whatever it is, the time that we have with them, because as you know, we, many people have such deep connections with our animals mm-hmm. and I'm not going to get into all the reasons, uh, all the science and uh, emotional reasons behind that, but we, so many people have deeper relationships with their animals than they do with other people. So uh, it's very important for a lot of people. Yes, and, I'm 100% with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much, Mary. So I wish you luck. I wish I was joining you this year on the um, at the event, but at a future year again, hopefully. And so good luck, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you. And and um, if you want to learn more, um, if you go to endogcancer.org, If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.